Welcome to the 2018 Prima podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Dr. Teresa Bartlett will discuss mental well-being in the workplace. Dr. Bartlett is the Senior Vice President and Medical Director of Sedgwick Claims Management Services. As Medical Director for Sedgwick CMS, Dr. Bartlett is its Senior Advisor in matters affecting the design and delivery of medical management services for Sedgwick's claims clients. She provides strategic counsel and operational support in all areas of medical management, including managed care, return to work, bill review, medical outcomes protocols, and health and safety matters. Dr. Bartlett advises and represents Sedgwick CMS in efforts to integrate the delivery of occupational and non-occupational medical services and in public policy matters affecting healthcare as part of the claim services process. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. How can employers provide the needed support from a mental well-being perspective to ensure employees know they are cared about? Great question. There are a variety of ways employers can demonstrate their support for employees. And here are just a, a few ideas. First, they can support employees through wellness offerings. Oftentimes, there are yearly screening tools embedded in health risk assessments. And based on the results of those screenings, depending on who manages the wellness program, there may be an actual outreach to the employee to offer support from a health plan or a wellness coordinator. Another aspect of support can be through human resource policies. They can speak volumes for the support of mental well-being, things such as encouraging employees to use their paid time off, allowing flexibility in work hours to accommodate very specific needs, encouraging exercise and meditation and providing the space for those activities. Even on-site daycare can be supportive. Most importantly, human resources can offer employee assistance programs EAP programs, and those help employees eliminate stress and provide training for managers and provide resources to employees at a moment in time where they need it. Often, those programs are provided via telephonic support with counselors, and then if necessary, there can be on-site referrals to an actual counselor. I think it's so important, the training aspect for managers, because managers often might have a negative stigma associated with those that need mental health support, and they may see that as a weakness. And it's really important in this country that we address that stigma and welcome employees who actually seek out the needed support. Another idea is that some companies offer a concierge service at low or no cost. And the concierge service helps employees eliminate stress by, for example, they could help a new mom find childcare 
or they could help a middle-aged person find elder care for their parents. Some of them offer professional shopping and travel planning. Even concierge health care can assist by taking the guesswork out of helping the doctor or deciphering medical bills or medications. So all of those are great ideas in which employers can use to help employees be supported in their well-being. What is the clinical background associated with individuals who are demonstrating a lack of mental well-being? This is a really difficult question to address as the answers are really wide-ranging. Virtually anybody can experience episodes of stress, anxiety, and depression based on their current life circumstances. The main differences in how individuals respond to situations is based on their resiliency and their ability to cope that develops from a really young age. One thing here to be mindful of is whether the individual had any adverse childhood events or has suffered post-traumatic stress in the past. Adverse childhood events are things that may have happened within families, such as drug or alcohol abuse, sexual or physical abuse, the death or loss of a close family member, um, divorce, even incarceration of a close family member. PTSD can be caused by many things and may have a lasting impact. Many individuals have served in the military and may have been exposed to violence or maybe have been in a severe car accident or any form of an unexpected negative event like a robbery. So as employers, you take people as they are. Really, you have no way of knowing if there are past experiences that may bring about changes in their well-being later on. So just being sensitive to those facts is really important for these individuals. If an employee is injured on the job, what are the tools a claim organization can use to screen for mental well-being? Great question. The first thing a claimant organization can do is to be respectful and treat the injured worker in a way that demonstrates that they care. Call it the golden rule or the family rule or in our case, caring counts. It's really important to use empathy and to try to put yourself into the place of the injured worker. The second thing claim organizations can do is to have an open, honest dialogue with the injured worker about what to expect in their claim process. No one goes to work one day and hopes to get injured and experience interruption of health and financial money income. We need to understand that this is all new, and just because we understand every form and every letter and the legal terms it does not mean that someone who has just sustained an injury understands it. Listening is very important in part of the claims process to determine what's most helpful for the injured worker in returning to health. So screening tools 
that can be deployed are often used by clinical colleagues, such as nurses or mental health professionals in the claim organization, and they can assist with determining the needs of the injured worker. Some of those tools are a PHQ-2 or a PHQ-9 personal health questionnaire. There's a nine question and a two question. It's a fast depression screening tool. We can use the VAST scores. Those are the pain scores, usually a rating of zero to 10 or zero to five or smiley face to frown face. All of those can help determine how a person is feeling. The Arebro Musculoskeletal Pain Questionnaire is an excellent one that deals with pain, but it also asks about things such as how they're sleeping, are they able to perform their activities of daily living, how are they coping with that, and also, very important, the aspect of how are they dealing with work and what is their perception of work. The Generalized Anxiety Disorder Screening Tool called the GAD is also a very helpful one to understand how anxious a person might be past their injury or regarding their injury. And then there's also post-traumatic stress disorder screening tool, which gets at things such as how disruptive is the event that happened to them? Are they reliving it? How often that's happening? And what's going on in their, in their mind as they're dealing with their work injury? So depending on the results of the screening, there may be a need for a referral to a behavioral health specialist or a counselor or a therapist, or even if we know that some of this relates to something that did not happen in the workplace but just brought back old memories, we may want to refer to an employer's EAP program, for example, or the health benefits. So it's really important to be aware of all of the different benefits available to an individual. How do you treat the whole individual and not make psych a primary issue within the claim? That's a great question. Use of physical medicine and rehab codes from a, a CPT coding perspective are helpful in that they're used to treat pain so that the diagnosis of psych does not become the primary diagnosis that, you know, so the provider is billing under a certain set of codes instead of using site codes as the primary. Often it's easy to help an injured worker if you approach them from an advocacy perspective and just speak to them as if you're trying to help them. Often we find with our behavioral health specialists that the person may have a history of depression or anxiety, for example, and maybe they stop taking their medication or maybe they need a new referral back to their treating physician on the non-occupational side to help them cope. And we can assist with making 
those things happen through, again, the employer's benefit program or their EAP. And if that is not available, we can often refer the individual into community health resources that might be available. So not all things that are happening to someone at the point of a claim are related to the claim. And just to be, to offer that hand of assistance and advocacy really can be the thing that helps that employee return to health. What are the various types of treatment that can be helpful in a claim with behavioral health issues? There are almost too many types of treatment to mention in this category that can be helpful, but I'll discuss a few. First of all, you know, someone that has behavioral health issues, we have to treat the whole person. So we have to deal with their pain and their physical pain, such as physical therapy, chiropractic care, maybe acupuncture, to try to help them deal with the physical pain. But at the same time, if we know that someone is suffering from a behavioral health standpoint as well, we can address these issues through disciplines like cognitive behavioral health therapy. This is something that is done through a special therapist, and these therapists use tools that can be very assistive to injured workers in that it helps them remember what their life was like before the injury It helps them focus on coping strategies that are positive rather than them feeling that they're in pain and nobody cares about them. And it's really a type of therapy that requires participation from the injured worker to do exercises on a daily basis and get themselves in a place where they are participating in the care plan and recognizing little things as they happen and then using their new coping skills to get through it. And some of those coping skills can be things like mindfulness or meditation. They may be given exercises or CDs or apps podcasts even to listen to, to help them relax and to be aware of their body and to understand that their thoughts do not have to automatically follow every single track that might come into their mind. Deep breathing exercises are so helpful in dealing with pain and to help someone relax and get through things. We often forget about the fact that, you know, the female population, many have had babies. And to get through the delivery of a birth, we go through the Lamaze training, which is specific breathing exercises. And when we get to work comp injury, we forget about the fact that some of the most painful moments of our life were dealt with through breathing exercises. And it seems so simple, but it's something that can be so helpful. Another type of 
therapy that might be invoked would be guided imagery. So that could be also a hypnosis or a podcast where someone is, you know, asked to lay down or sit up and close your eyes and they're guided through different forests or beaches or wherever their happy place is to get them to relax and focus on something else. Biofeedback is another one that can be used and is often used as part of an integrative program where an individual has leads put on them and the leads will demonstrate their blood pressure, their heart rate, their respiration rate. And then as they watch that, they're asked, to try to control those things and to slow them down. And often that happens through breathing and focus and uh, focusing on trying to relax. Other things that are helpful just in the pain arena are aqua therapy, working out in a pool if it's too painful to be in a gym. Those are things that are often used in workers' comp and can be very helpful. Other integrative programs may also use things like aromatherapy or art therapy or music therapy as ways to help distract an individual from the fact that they're actually doing some level of exercises while they're listening to music or participating in an art exercise. So there are all kinds of treatments that are available and very, very helpful. It's just making sure that you're using these in conjunction with integrated program and not in and of themselves. So it has to be very comprehensive. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, Dr. Bartlett and Taekwon. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Enjoy the rest of your day.